0: There are so many pieces of advice out there that talk about, oh yeah, how to get visible, get visible. I'm sure that to a degree they work to a lot for a lot of people. But I see visibility through a different lens that often doesn't get spoken about, and that is through the trauma-sensitive lens.
1: Are you ready to tap in to your power within so that your business can reach its truest potential? Hi, I'm Candace Haza, and I help business entrepreneurs access their inner GPS so that their business can grow and thrive. You are here to serve and to create an impact in this world. Welcome to the Intuitive Business Podcast. Hey everybody, what's up? And I'm so excited today to have a really special friend of mine, Mei Kei Sang. May K. Sang is the founder of the Sustainable Visibility Movement. (laughs) I did it. I win. Podcast guesting strategist and host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. She helps underestimated and underrepresented women identifying entrepreneurs to be consensually seen as they become more visible to share their message so they can grow their impact fueled business on their terms for the long. Paul. Welcome, AK.
0: <laughs> hey, Candy. Oh my goodness. Thank you so, so much for having me here on the Intuitive
2: Business Podcast.
1: Oh my goodness. I just think your mission in life is so, so important. I was actually reading the information on your websites, and two of the words that you utilize a lot is visibility and voice. I want to dive deep and I want to go there. Let's talk about our visibility and our voice.
0: Oh, where to begin with both of them? (laughs) (laughs) So hmm, visibility has really come to the forefront of my business ever since I really needed it a couple of years ago because I was visible in the right spaces, but not in enough places. And so I really had to start experimenting and diversifying the ways that I showed up in the online business space. And so that's just really where I got to... Have that chance to try because there are times in our business when it feels scary to try new things because we don't know how it's going to turn out, you know. But I just mm-hmm. think of it as quite the playground <laughs> that we get to play on <laughs> in our businesses. And one thing that seems to be kind of sticks itself out—I <laughs> like can't think of a better way to phrase to that—is using the words exposure synonymously with visibility. And a part of me always felt that was just fundamentally off, and I couldn't quite pinpoint what that was until I just started really thinking about it. What is it about exposure that just doesn't resonate, and it just feels out of integrity even? And then I thought of all of the tabloid magazines that I used to always see on my mum's coffee table growing up, and they would always use the word exposed, and it would be celebrities being caught by the paparazzi in various um I don't know just shopping at the supermarket without makeup or something or seeing some usually photoshopped uh you know things that are out in the open like some jiggly bits <laughs> <laughs>
1: or you know I will um, say that again for me jiggly bits I love that <laughs> jiggly bits <laughs> <laughs> that oh. is exposure I wouldn't want my jiggly bits exposed I would feel very uncomfortable <laughs>
0: and i i mean that you know i just mean something like cellulite you know it's very very human that often gets photoshopped out and i realized oh exposure how it's coming across to me is being seen without my consent i didn't consent to it
2: mm-hmm. and
0: i wonder how many of those celebrities or anybody who's ever been snapshotted by the paparazzi how much consent they provided before those photos were released and i bet that very few if any Mm. so that's why uh whenever i get told oh you can get more exposure it was genuinely triggering Mm. and i thought i don't want to be exposed i don't want to be seen without my consent no so there's a difference there visibility is really about being seen with your consent
1: Mm. take that in audience being seen with your consent So let's talk about what it looks like for you and your business to help people to be visible instead of triggered by the word "exposed" and our jiggly bits out there. (laughs) Now I'm (laughs) now I'm always going to be triggered metaphorically or literally. (laughs) Literally, jiggly
2: bits.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh, I just snorted. He doesn't love a good snort? So, <laughs> I was laughing so hard I snorted. I'm so sorry, but this really Therapy, is- Don't I love it. <laughs> this is such an important subject, the visibility of us with our consent and then showing up how we want to be seen too. Isn't that part of it? Yes, absolutely.
0: And it's really without judgment for yourself. And mm-hmm. it's a negative thing when people often say like, oh, you're playing it safe. Playing it safe is not the same as playing it small. If we think about safety in a way that isn't keeping us small, but more so just keeping us protected, we would see that completely differently.
1: Tell me more about
0: that. Sure. So the reason why I talk so much about sustainable visibility these days, well, there's a reason. Why do I call it sustainable visibility and not just normal visibility, right? And it's because there are so many pieces of the devices out there that talk about, oh yeah, how to get visible, get visible. I'm sure that to a degree, they work to a lot for a lot of people. But I see visibility through a different lens that often doesn't get spoken about. And that is through the trauma-sensitive lens.
1: Beautiful. I've never heard it explained like that. So let's talk about seeing it through the trauma-sensitive lens. So in essence, that. The, my neighbor's dog you know what we're being seen <laughs> just the way we are really and truly I think that that's a beautiful moment so hello puppies
0: <laughs> they
1: are my my neighbor's dogs that sometimes
0: howl into the night like little wolves <laughs>
1: <laughs> well they want they want their voice to be heard too exactly yes and I'm like oh microphone's out <laughs> it's time to howl
0: <laughs> time to howl <laughs> yes exactly and so A trauma-sensitive lens, essentially what it is, is just having an awareness of the impact of your trauma and how that really affects your ability to show up in the world. Because something like visibility can in itself cause a trauma response because it can be triggering. And I'll give you an example. So without going into too much detail, I am a trauma survivor of sexual assault. And my attackers, if you will, they, from what I understand, were men. I never assume, but that's just the perception that I had, re- that, you know, as a source at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, that meant anytime I'm around very male dominant spaces, it genuinely makes me feel uncomfortable. And I had to realize that there were some behaviors that I recognize and seem familiar that created that trauma. Mm. So whenever I come across anybody who gives me a familiar feeling of those events, I find myself becoming re-traumatized. And when I do, I find myself shutting down, wanting to shrink, wanting to hide all of the opposite things of being visible. And it happened during a very crucial time in my business, and that was when I was launching something. So that's the reason why during the launch period – a lot of quote unquote stuff comes up for a lot of us and it isn't necessarily a trauma response but there are things that come to the forefront we question whether we are worth it we question if our work is worth it we question is this even a good idea (laughs) you know all of those questions come to the forefront and some of those questions may lead us back down a trauma response and I'm not saying that everybody has it, but it is something to be aware of, not just in ourselves, but in our clients. Mm. So that's why when someone just tells you to just put yourself out there, they are asking you to sabotage your own sense of safety for a result that you can't sustain because it's actively triggering you.
1: So how can we as leaders... Now that we are consciously aware of this, because you've just shared it with us. So let me ask you this. So one of the things that I was reading in your marketing piece, I want to go back to that because you put, like, we're going to work with your voice and visibility without blunt force aggression. And that's really important because, you know, that do it now, you know, the, the step up and that type of attitude might actually trigger the trauma when what we are as coaches are really trying to support their worthiness and their their work, right? The, their work, it needs to come out into the world. So what do we do then?
0: So awareness is the first step of understanding that when our clients hit a roadblock, that sometimes it is as simple as a mindset shift, right? But if that was the case, And if it was the case, then they can very easily like overcome that block just from the shift alone, like just a reframe, for example. Mm -hmm. But if you find it to be a recurring pattern, then there is just something that is not landing there. There is something that is being blocked and stopped along the way. And if that pattern keeps reoccurring, then take that as a potential sign that there is something that we might need to venture deeper into. But I do believe, and I don't believe it is very, very important for us coaches to and leaders to know where the line is between our scope of work and when it's time to refer our clients to someone who can help them work through the things. Because unless we are all licensed in mental health to some degree, there is a scope that we shouldn't cross. There isn't a line that we should cross. So having those important discussions, especially if the work you do with your clients brings up these things, it's important for us to know where the line is for us and the line for them.
2: Mm.
0: This example, when I onboard my clients into my mentorship program, in part of the application process, we talk about this. I ask about their support system. If they're open and willing to initiate or reinitiate therapy or alternative healing modality for the stuff that comes up that's outside of my scope. I have to set that boundary because we can cause way more harm if we expand our scope beyond what it's meant to be.
1: Wow, that's very powerful. And I've never heard anybody quite put it like that. You know, like there's a limit to what we can do when we're working with somebody if they have had some sort of a trauma. And I like how you actually even introduce the option of would they be willing to reinitiate therapy if they've had some sort of a trauma and it's starting to show up in their business.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I've noticed that my current clients and current applicants for this current round that I'm enrolling in right now at the time of this interview, they really, really acknowledge that. And they're like, wow, no one has ever talked about this before. Mm -mm. And right now I don't have, you know, I'm not licensed as a therapist. I will be in three years because I've just like started to enroll on on the program, but I will actually be trained to be one. But I make it very clear where the line is, for me and I ask for the line is for them so if we are fast approaching it in a coaching session it will be that time where we mutually agree like okay this is the stuff that you bring to someone else but we can be there to help them identify it that we you know as people who want to help right of course we want to do whatever we can to rid our clients of pain but it's important to know that we aren't their saviors we are their We are their guides, absolutely. But there is a role for each of us to play. And unless, again, you are licensed or trained to some degree in mental health, we need to be responsible for our role as coaches and leaders if we don't have that training and when to refer outwards.
1: So... I like where you're going with this. I'm enjoying the conversation and I want to kind of go backwards just a little bit. And you said something about, and with the current offer and applicants. So I want to kind of pick up on, so what are you offering and who's applying and what are they getting? Like, I want to hear all the details. Thank you for asking. So right now I'm enrolling for my
0: sustainable visibility incubator This is my nine month mentorship program. It's technically six months, but three months extra support. Like, we can get into that later. (laughs) But it's my mentorship program where I hold a brave, trauma sensitive, safer space. And I want to emphasize on the safer in just a second for women identifying entrepreneurs who want to be held as they do the inner work, as they align their businesses
1: and amplify.
0: Their visibility.
1: Mm. Wow, that's really powerful. So, what's that going to look like? Take us through how you're going to do this, walk us through a couple components of the nine months, because there might be some listeners that have already thought, Oh, I think that this is me because every time I go to like get on a stage or move forward with a platform or something that I wish or desire, I find myself sabotaging myself. Mm. And this sounds like something I'm not sharing that. I'm just saying that there might be listeners that feel that. And So they might be feeling really in alignment with you right now. So you might want to know some more. So let's get into more details.
0: Absolutely. So I think of it as a dual track. So it's one track that we all take, but there are two major threads that run through them both. And thread number one is the content. So the content is comprised of three main phases. And the first phase is what I call unbecoming unbecoming, all right. Yes. So I often, I used to ask the question, oh, who do you need to become in order to do X, Y, Z? But then the question at the end of my first cohort was like, who do you need to unbecome? And ever since then, I'm like, okay, I'm going to rename the phase because the first phase used to be called the soul dive. (laughs) And it was it's basically the phase that we start with to see what comes up for you. Like, what are you making visibility mean right now? What do you want it to mean? How do you want it to look like? What do you want it to feel like? And actually working on being very aware of your personal capacity and setting those boundaries for yourself so you don't say yes to too many opportunities because often when they come, a lot of us feel like, oh, but this might be my only chance. I have to take it, even if you don't have the capacity for it. So it's doing that awareness work first on your capacity, setting those boundaries so it becomes sustainable for you. And working through those blocks, especially those imposter complex, um, often called imposter syndrome. But my friend Tanya Geisler, she's coined the term imposter complex. And we work through like what is it that makes us do that self-sabotaging that you spoke about. Hmm. Right? So we start yes. off with that inner work on purpose, because if we went straight to the amplification, like straight into the strategy, then that's the same as everybody else who teaches you just the step-by-step. The step-by-step can be enough on its own, but for those of us who feel triggered or we feel like, oh, stuff is coming up and I find myself pushing this away or putting it at the bottom of my to-do list, that's why amplification comes last. So we do the inner work first mm. and the undercoming phase. I love that. Phase number two is business alignment. And this is essentially when you've unbecome, you may just find that your messaging and your offers that you're creating actually might not be fully aligned with actually how you want to show up now. Because if you think about it, when you're visible, you're being visible to eventually send people back to your offers. So are those offers things that are profitable for you and they bring you such joy to deliver?
1: I'm just going through this right now. Yeah, in my own business.
0: Yeah, because like, what's the point of being visible if the offers I have are actually not ones I want to sell? <laughs> you know, well, so it's
1: important to do that. But for me, uh, the word sustainable it really resonates because I'm, you know, full disclosure, I I'm eliminating some things from my business because. I'm starting to realize that the management of them is so financially cumbersome that it doesn't make sense to make the offer. Like, for example, I was offering Mm. a taste of the woo (laughs) for my align your business with the totally woo. I was offering a one month taste, but the truth of the matter is that wasn't honoring them Mm -hmm. because if they're not willing to do a deep dive then just like you were saying, some of the traumas will show up of the start, stop, start, stop. And I was giving people permission to make that decision and it was not alignment with my business and it's not sustainable for them or myself. So I'm starting Mm. to look at my business in what is giving people the most leverage and how can I make my business more alignable to international clients because my times aren't in alignment for A sustainable business for my clients, so I'm kind Mm. of going through this a little bit right now. So I'm really liking talking about business alignment, and you know, is your offer supporting how you show up too? Yes, it needs to be both how you love serving and fulfilling,
0: and also, of course, what your client needs. You know that, that we often. Take ourselves out of the equation because we're often taught in business, oh, yeah, you know, if you see a need in the market, cre- you know, create a solution, right? You see a problem, provide a solution. And that is true, but it's missing the element of where we come in, especially if it's a live delivery service, like coaching, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, we are required to show up for our clients. And that's why when it comes to capacity, that's not just about promotional capacity, But actually, it's the capacity you have to fulfill. Because if I burnt myself out during this launch, I wouldn't be able to be of great service for my clients who actually have joined, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's why I mapped that out way in advance so that I could try and experiment with different things, but also having my fulfillment capacity in reserve and not taking from
1: that. Mm, That's beautiful. Your fulfillment capacity in reserve. I really like that together. You know, I just launched a program, too. It was called Quantum Connection, and I launched it. I did a podcast and something else. I had a very busy week, and I usually try to keep things more compartmentalized. And I hit burnout by Friday, and I'm like, oh, and I was so excited to play with my quantum connectors. So this is a very significant Topic to business owners about how to maintain their energy. How do you teach in this course that you're promoting right now? How to manage your energy? It's
0: it's not quite a course. It is a program. So it's a every (laughs) no sorry. Um, Especially for things like this, it must be done live, and we have to be done together as well because we can gain so much insight just from witnessing others and sharing their insights and questions. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to teaching this process, it's really about looking at our past and looking at where we want to be in our futures and kind of like, where is the connection? And are there any disconnects? Are there any holes or traps that we often find ourselves falling in? And just literally looking at capacity through so many different lenses, because I have different capacity types that I teach my clients. And we look at each of them. And I normally teach them in the form of cups, because we're often taught... Like you can't pour from an empty cup, and actually, I thought about it the other day. Like, it shouldn't it be a pot? Like you can't pour from an empty teapot <laughs> instead of a cup, right? You don't pour from cups; you drink from it. <laughs> <Sorry>. Right. <laughs> but that's just a complete side though. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, we're taught not to pour from an empty cup. So what will it take for that cup to be overflowing? And what drains that cup? What do we need in order to fulfill that? So we kind of run with the analogy but we see what takes up that space and we do it in real time all together. And mm-hmm. honestly, the insights that come from this have always just been so heartwarming. And I can see the, you know, when you look at someone and you know the wheels are turning in their mind or they just had a mind blown moment without saying anything, you can just see it on their faces. And I can see a lot of like, oh, whoa, I didn't think of it that way. But, oh, I see. <laughs> you know, it's just reactions like that. And then we celebrated every time Um, one of my clients, for example, she had a tendency to say yes too much out of that fear that, you know, that it wasn't going to come again. But we craft her responses of how she can say a graceful no. And then we always celebrate after that. And then when she does show up for the workshop she's invited to do or to speak at a summit or something, then it becomes a true celebration because she's there for the whole thing not just the doing, but everything before and after.
1: Mm, that sounds very rich and very light. So,
0: mm, 100%. So, that's why phase number two, we do focus on aligning your business so that when you are visible, you're excited to share what it's all leading back to, like all of your offers. And then in phase three, we focus on active amplification because one you're internally ready you've done all the capacity work and the boundary setting and all of those things and then you looked at your business you fine-tuned your authors or completely created them from scratch and you've had your messaging check because I've got a copy coach who's like doing like copy critiques for all of my clients in the program so they can they know that it's been seen through more eyes who actually are trained to see the nuances of like where the Smallest tweaks can make the greatest difference. When those two phases are complete, well, not quite complete, but they, (laughs) because the work is always ongoing, right? We always rebrand. We always create new offers, but just play with me for a second. But when we've done enough work to feel fully ready to receive, that is when we actively amplify. That's when my clients get, they do get to play. They get to explore the different strategies that they've always put off at the back end or like, oh, I've done it before, but I'll get around to it. All of those things that you've always put off, that is when we do it. And the thing is what's so interesting is that it's not the matter of the strategy. We teach the strategy, no problem. But it's what happens and what comes up before they execute on it. Like, oh, okay, this is coming up before I hit send on this pitch. Like, why is this happening? And then we verbal process out in the hot seat. And then like, okay, this is coming up for you. Why do you think that is? Like, what do you think? What are you making this mean? Right? And then we just do that course correction as we go, <laughs> pretty much. And so that's one thread of the entire program. It's content flow, that's very logical as well. And it feels very intuitive. And the other thread that's wrapped around the whole thing is that the content is where my clients meet me where I'm at. But the coaching is where I get to meet them where they're at. Because who am I to stop them, for example, if they want to actively amplify right from the beginning? I'm like, okay, I'm not going to stop you okay. because there's always going to be more layers that we add on and let go of. So in essence, the whole program is about helping my clients to confidently navigate through that messy middle as things come up for them, but knowing how they can stay true to themselves and like follow their true north to keep going, but not from a place of depletion, exhaustion, and tapping into those reserves but just from a place of overflow because they have got their capacity in check.
1: That feels really good. So you've described your program and how you lead people through your program. So who is your ideal client? What do they look like? What do they feel like if they're sitting there right now? What, what might they be saying or feeling?
0: the women identifying entrepreneurs i invite to apply for the program to really check it out learn more are those who are tired of following everyone else's shoulds and they want to map out their own but they would just like that space to be held as they're doing it because it can feel very scary venturing out into the unknown i literally think of a treasure map right so a map it's, it's already been, like the pathways were, has already been created by somebody else, right? That's proven, a proven way, not the proven way, a proven way that something can work. But what about those who want to meander and venture into the uncharted territories? And it becomes less about reading the map, but how to become fluent in reading your own internal compass,
1: hmm. Yeah, that's what I do, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what I say. The Akashic records are—it's your GPS of your soul. So I—I I love where you're going with that. I—I I like uncharted territories because I stepped into that, you know, four years ago when I started this journey. So I can relate to a lot of you know what you're what you're saying. I know for myself, I worked on my internal trauma dramas before I had stepped into the business, which was super helpful for me so that I could stay in alignment. But that's not the truth for everybody. Like why should they have to wait until they could deal with all the things that are coming up inside of themselves to deliver what they might have come here to this earth to do, which is their mission. And I like how you utilize the term mission. You don't say business in your marketing. I caught notice of the word mission because that's a big difference in a business. And I even think that that's different than an entrepreneur, self-identifying entrepreneur. For me, if you're on a heart-centered mission, this is no longer a business. It's something that you're it's a path that you're walking on to leave a legacy behind. Mm. And that's how I see that. So that's that word really caught my attention in your marketing.
0: Well, I'm so glad because no one's actually said that so far. So I'm wondering how much it's landed so far. And someone's was just probably not telling me about it. And actually, that's a beautiful part of visibility because often we are so driven by what we see it takes so much faith and bravery Mm -hmm. to look into the unseen Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
0: and something that i need to consciously remind myself during times when i might want i might need a bit of validation by you know an extra comment an extra like on a post for example but like you know very, very simple example here but if you think of visibility as the iceberg so The iceberg analogy has often been used in terms of, you know, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. The 80% of the iceberg, you can see, but you can't see it unless you knew what was below the surface. So I think of visibility in the same way that we only really see a small portion of the top of the people who actually come and talk to you, but you have no idea about the 80% of people who are seeing you. They are hearing you. They are watching and they just haven't revealed themselves yet. So you're reaching so much more people than you think. And some of them just take a bit more time, and that's okay. Because when we are here to leave a legacy and following our heart-sense
1: mission, then we're here for that. Mm-hmm. We are. We are. We definitely are. I like what you're saying, and this is really interesting. You know, I just published... A book, and when I did, people were coming back and they're saying, "I read your book," or "I know something about you now." And a couple of days before my book was released, <laughs> I panicked. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like I was so focused on the book and the truth of the message that I didn't think about my visibility—that I've just shared my youth and my secrets—and mm-hmm. now people are coming up to me and saying, "Oh, I just read your book," so. I really like where you're pointing this direction because (laughs) I did it the opposite way. I probably should have thought about the fact that I was being visible rather than so focused on the book. But in that moment of panic, I realized the book isn't about me. The book is about the mission and helping people to see themselves in light of of their mission. And so the very last thing that I wrote in the book, and and this is all about, you know, I really want to emphasize what you're talking about, is I was going to sleep and I had to write the dedication, which is literally two lines of the book. And I was stuck. The whole book was written. I wrote all my thank yous to everybody, but the dedication wasn't there. And I thought, what do I want to dedicate this book to? And I was going to sleep and I heard it as clear as light. It said, this book is devoted to your inner light let the light that shines in you warm the hearts of others. And I'm hearing that in you with what you're saying is you're holding space for people that might have had something happen to them, but yet still have so much value to offer. And then you're helping them, like you said, amplify their light into the world. And I love this message
0: what a beautiful dedication as well i can just see the warmth in the light and um what's interesting is i actually use this phrase i call it the shrink and shine and it's when you shine i.e when you're visible if you find yourself shrinking as well so it's kind of part of the cycle that's when you know that there is something that is not quite working there That maybe the strategy in itself, the way you're being visible actually works for you. But if there's any form of shrinkage, then, you know, wanting to shrink and hide and just like, like, okay, I'm under a rock now for three months. I've literally had people come to me like, I just ran a summit. I loved it, but I'm sleeping and hiding for the next three months. And I'm like, interesting. So maybe that was effective, but not efficient. Energetically, as well as practically. Yes. Yes.
1: This is kind of moving on a little bit, but how do you see business owners either change or step up their visibility once they've released some of either their blocks or their trauma, or you also use the word that I really like is limiting beliefs. I call it the BS story, (laughs) the belief system story. Like what is your BS story? Because transitioning that limiting belief could be the answer to creating more visibility and using your voice. So, I think
0: of a physical manifestation of two different types of people. So, say let's just think of a confident person, right? Some people think that someone who's confident is the person who's loudest in the room. Right? And maybe that is a version of it. But I think of my brother-in-law actually when I think of a very confident person. Someone who doesn't need to say anything His presence means everything. He has that quiet confidence about him that he doesn't need to explain himself. There's no urgency. There's no, oh, I need to say my piece. So he'll sit back and wait and people will wait to listen. Mm -hmm. And I think of someone who's visible versus sustainably visible to be very similar. Mm -hmm. Because the reason why my clients often come to me is because they know that I'm gentle in my approach they know i'm quiet to do. like i coined the term quiet rebels (laughs) you know it's a it's a paradox in itself in a way and that's basically just another way of being that other way just isn't very much celebrated right now there's often a one way of doing things Mm -hmm. and we're often told don't reinvent the wheel and whenever i hear that i just think but who says so (laughs) like who invented the first wheel who said there has to be a wheel and who are you to tell me that i shouldn't be doing that i mean it works for some people to follow what's already there and that's fine yeah but for those of us who are curious and want to explore and expand and just try and play those are the people who meander off the beaten path and we start following our compasses and not our pre-drawn
1: maps Mm, I love that. So let's talk about that curious person. And I know that you are in the middle of a launch and I know that you may be still accepting applications. So for those that are resonating with this podcast, how would they move forward with the, either an application or talk us through how they could get in contact with you and what they would need to do next?
0: Absolutely. So you can go to makeasang.com forward slash apply and that has my legitimate sales page because I'm, no, I'm kind of known uh, by my audience to launch without a sales page <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have one um, that came out after this super early bird period and that has all of the logistics of what's exactly included and how much one-on-one support you get from me which and I changed my offer ever so slightly every single year. So my bonuses never stay the same. And I say that because I'm always attuning to the needs of the people who actually show me their interest. So for example, a common, it's not quite a complaint, but a common insight I hear from people who join masterminds, they often have little to zero direct access to the mentor unless they pay a VIP option. And I understand that I really do, but a part of me doesn't want to be so far away, because this work is so intimate. Mm-hmm. And so a bonus, for example, is that you get one-on-one boxer access to me. Of course, there'll be parameters that I'll set so it's sustainable for me to deliver and fulfill. absolutely. But that is one example. And I've actually gained insight mid-launch, and I often do that. I'm just listening seeing who has something to say. And I polled my audience and they asked, and rather I asked them, like, would you rather apply directly with a call or a form first and then a call? And it was a pretty even split. Hmm. But instead of going with the majority or what's most convenient for me, I often start conversations with the other side. So in this case, it is more convenient to have an application form directly connected to a call because I use Calendly, for example. Hashtag not sponsored. But, <laughs> but when I started ask, I'm having conversations with my audience and people who would be beautifully aligned for the program, I asked them, okay, thank you for voting on this poll. I'm curious, would you be open to sharing why you answered the form version? And I learned something really wonderful about them. They said it in a way that was very considerate to me. They said, I don't want to waste your time. And I want to make sure that I know what that I'm perfectly aligned with the program before I even like get on a call with you. So that was their way of cherishing my time. Mm-hmm. And I felt nothing but grateful for that. But I couldn't help but feel a bit saddened by it too. So I thought, okay, what if I just change the order a little bit? So now, if you go to makingsan.com forward slash apply, you will find that every apply button on there will link you directly to a Google form first. So that way, you only spend a couple of minutes like, filling out this form in as much detail as you'd like me to know beforehand. And if there's a mutually aligned, say, on paper, then you will be invited onto a call. So that way, it also reduces the pressure from me to you because often what they also shared with me that they often felt pressure to say yes. So it's clear that they've had past experiences when they have applied to a program and often felt pressured on the call. And I have felt that. I genuinely felt in one program that I had to get on a sales call and I genuinely felt like I was being held hostage. And so that also tells me that not only have they been mindful of my time, but they're also being mindful for themselves and they are bringing up past experiences that's causing a potential trigger for them. Because maybe they said yes to something that they weren't ready for.
1: You know, what's interesting is I'm having the opposite trigger. Interesting. So I have a learning disability and a learning challenge, and I can speak well. But if you give me a form, I freeze. And so you just, there was a trigger inside of me, meaning if we align in the application, then I am invited. But chances are, unless I help have my one of my copywriter teams that I have to pay to write my application so it would look well... That's a huge trigger for me. So it's interesting. I don't like that part. If you would give me the option to do a bomb bomb video. With those answers, I would do it, but I do think they're like for me personally, I'm very considerate of learning challenges with oh, applications cool. because of my so i'd I would love to see for you know like if I was applying, I would have to be able to have access to a bomb bomb video or some way to video my answers that it would sound. Mm, better than what I could write so it takes a village to get my writing onto a piece of paper but here and there I love the fact that you're looking at all components and that's why I actually took this moment to share that because it's one more perspective about how uncomfortable I would feel to be judged by my writing on a form so yeah that's just really
0: that's really insightful so thank you so much for sharing that so here's an example of how your own lens, it shows how you run your business and your processes that aligns for you. And so, you know, at some point in my email uh, marketing, I do give them the option of, you know, applying on a form or through video just so that they have a choice. And that's really yes. what this is about, having a choice. Yes, like that's so. what I would
1: say. I, I knew that you're so sensitive about that. I would like a choice with that too, and that would be my choice, would be the video because <laughs> <So, laughs> I'm more comfortable. Other people, if you told them to go on video, they would cringe and they would never apply. But for me, that would give me some freedom. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so
0: that just goes to show that we all have our own way of doing things and I'm often like very much listening to what my audience is saying and what they share with me and I try my best to amend it. And there's also time, of course, I still need to do things that are relatively efficient for myself so that it's sustainable for me to keep launching. But yeah, so there's always insight welcome. So just thank you again for sharing.
1: Oh, sure. I, I knew that that would be something that you truly would want to know. And I was going to hold back. And then I was like, no, that's not fair. That's not truth. You know, that that I, how I would feel with that. So let's talk about how many applicants are you taking? How many people are permitted into your course? And then what's the time limit? Because this, there, there's some time sensitivity with this podcast. And I want people to hear it.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, right now I'm running two pods simultaneously. And the reason why I've chosen to do that is because I really wanted to take into account a huge part of my audience who have otherwise been not as deeply accounted for when it comes to time. So, my last program, I ran just one pod at one time and it worked well for me and generally, like most of the audience who show themselves. But when I polled my audience again, <laughs> I often poll my audience and get so many wonderful insights. I asked my audience based in Australia and Asia, you know, this side of the world. Do you often, like it was a leading question because I did. I genuinely wanted to know and, and it was 100% a unanimous yes to this question. Do you often feel that your time zone is not accounted for when you see group coaching programs? 100% yes. But because of that, I've started to factor in like, oh, okay, so there are different times that I need to wake up or stay up for in order to serve a different part of the world in a way that's more sustainable for them, instead of them staying up in the middle of the night or waking up at the crack of dawn. So there are two separate pods, up to eight women-identifying entrepreneurs who are introverts and empaths. Yeah, so there are... If I look on my wall, because I do the whole post-it note thing to celebrate each person, <laughs> I have six people, I have six faces available in the AM pod, so that's especially if you're based in Australia and Asia and you know, Europe and you like doing things more in the morning. And in the PM pod, which is mainly geared towards a US, Canadian, Brazilian, European time zone, we have a PM pod and that has five spaces available. Applications are currently open and will stay open until the 1st of November. I do encourage you that if you're remotely interested in learning more, I would invite you to apply sooner rather than later. And here's why. It's not about the filling of spaces. It's actually for you so that you have more time to make an informed decision to say yes or no, because I don't ask for an answer on the call. All I ask is, would you like me to circle back with you? If you're thinking about it, if it's, a, if it's a no, then it's a no. No worries. But I have felt so much grace with myself and every single person who has joined has had that time to make that informed decision so they can journal, they can reflect, speak to their self if they need to. Mm. That helps to reduce the pressure. And I know that many business owners who teach, you know, the sales call strategy where, like, you get a yes on the call – that may be like oh my god but doesn't that hurt your conversions my answer to that is even if it did it doesn't break the trust it nurtures it
2: yes yes
0: and it
1: really fits your whole model of you know meeting people at where they're at too and again not the blunt force or aggression and so that's not your ideal client that is motivated by that or or that wants to come into the program that's not a good fit
0: absolutely and that's what helped for all of my clients who have joined so far that when they joined it wasn't because it wasn't based on any fear that i tapped into or it's an awful phrase, it's a twist a knife kind of feeling, because the state in which you enroll your client is a state in which they are very likely to continue with throughout the fulfillment. And I'm spending nine glorious months with you. And, of course, we want that to be a beautiful experience together. And so why would I put you in a state like that? In order to get the sale, if it means that we don't have a great time afterwards, mm-hmm. it doesn't make
1: okay. sense to me. Yes, absolutely, I totally can feel that gentleness with you, and that that's the way you're, they're going to come in the program, and then that's the way that they're going to leave the program or continue,
2: depending yeah, on all
1: what of, you. All
0: of my clients who went through the first round, they're coming back <laughs> because <laughs> they know this work is ongoing, and they love the space that gets held for them.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you want McKay to hold space for you um, as you find more of your visibility and your voice, how can they apply? All you need to do is go to mckaysangle.com forward
0: slash apply and any of the application buttons <laughs> you'll see on there will, you know, will take you to the form. But now that you've mentioned this, Candy, I'm, I'm going to pop a little notice like under each of the buttons, like. But if you'd rather apply through video, you're more than welcome to send to your certain address. That way I can take it into more account in you know, a different way that people would love to show up.
1: Because that is oh. very important to me. Thank you. I, I knew that that. That would really be important to you, and I felt it was a moment to share. So so you've heard how you're going to apply, and I really highly encourage you to be with this very kind, gentle-spirited woman. And if you're feeling in alignment with that, please reach out to her. We'll have the information on the show notes, and it's very timely to start stepping in and get your application in, as she said, to create more space for you to be able to make the decision. So I just want to thank you so much for today. It was just lovely being with you, hearing about this new or, mm, I guess it's not necessarily a new program. It's just kind of reconstructed.
0: It's a new evolution of it, but regardless of the first round, the second round, any future round, no matter what the evolution is, all of them connect together to revolutionize the idea of visibility and I wouldn't say that it's the only way to be visible, because it's not. But it definitely is expanding what's currently offered.
1: Mm. And that's where we are at on expansion. So that's just a lovely place to to uh, say thank you. And any uh, final parting words?
0: First of all, thank
1: you for you, Candy, for holding the
0: space to me to share something that's truly near and dear to my heart and thank you to those of you who are listening right now for coming like all the way to the end I appreciate you more than you know and I just invite you to really consider what it means for you to show up and if anything that I've shared today resonates with you I do hope to hear from you whether it's through an application or a message either way I am here to collectively hold you so that we can all rise together.
1: Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you, May Kay. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to candicehaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.